We are going to uh, have a kind of a unique, different sort of a service today. Uh, we're going to break up the uh, preaching part into two sections. So this is section number one, okay? Uh, quick reminder, we're going to celebrate the life of Ginny Billings tomorrow at 11 a.m. Uh, certainly invite you to come and be a part of that celebration. We're, we're in James 5. Got your Bibles with you. Uh, slide down to verse 13 through verse 16 is where we're going to look at. Um, we're going to examine today, what do you do when you're a follower of Jesus and you got trouble hitting your life? You're discouraged, you're depressed, you're doubting, there's pain. What, what should a Jesus follower do when you have a sick body or a sick marriage or a sick addiction or sick finances, you could keep going. But when there's sickness in your life, what should a follower of Jesus do? So we're going to stand in just a moment because I want to tell you the big headline, okay? When a follower of Jesus uh, is struggling and hurting and sick, God's Word gives instructions. It says, go to the church family, specifically Go to the church leaders, the elders, the deacons, and ask them to pray for you. That's, that's the instruction. So when life isn't going well, when you're hurting, when you're overwhelmed, go and ask the church leaders to pray for you. If you would, if you're able, stand with me. We're going to read out loud together what we should do. When we're facing a situation that's bigger and heavier and more than I can deal with on my own. Here's what you're supposed to do. Let's read together. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith, we heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm asking that you would help us to understand what we just read and Lord, help us then to put it into practice. Thank you that you've not called us to live life all alone without help when we face the troubles and the struggles of life. Thank you for putting us in a church family. Thank you for a place where we can share our struggles and our pain and our stress with one another. And uh, Lord, I'm asking even right now that you'd help us drop our masks. Help us to get real and honest with one another. Lord, we need your help even just to humble ourselves and admit need and sickness and seek out the elders, the leaders of the church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, Amen. you can be seated. Here's a question. Why aren't most of us very good at doing what we just read about, okay? Why aren't most of us very good at admitting need and seeking prayer 
from the church family and the church leaders when we're in a tough situation. Why, why aren't we very good at this? Here's five quick reasons. Okay, here we go. Five quick reasons. Give me your eyes. First of all, because we tend to wait till something really bad happens. Henry, we need a brain surgery. We, we, you know, something, re the medical diagnosis is grim. The medical diagnosis is maybe even terminal. The divorce papers have already been filed. Then sometimes we'll admit need and seek prayer. But oftentimes, we wait, we treat prayer like a fire alarm, and only when the fire's so big and it's out of control, then we'll finally pull the fire alarm. Second reason we don't seek prayer easily is because we're too busy. We're too busy, Jose, to notice. We're too busy to care what's going on in the lives of the people around us. It's not that we don't care. We're just scheduled. We're distracted. We got our own stuff. And we oftentimes don't take the time to notice the people around us who are hurting and troubled and need our support. Third reason we are not very good at praying for one another is because, truthfully, some of us aren't fully convinced this really makes that much of a difference. Because some of you have prayed when there were situations in the past and it felt like nothing changed. So sometimes we've done that before. I didn't see much of a change. So back in our minds, we're thinking, I'm not sure this really makes a difference. And we assume prayer won't change things now either. Fourth reason we don't seek prayer very often is because to humble yourself <laughs> is really hard. To humble yourself, to admit need, to seek help, to kill pride, I'm okay, I can do it on my own, I don't need help. To kill that in us is really hard, and most of us, myself included, don't do that very well. Fifth reason we don't seek prayer more often and this is just the truth. Churches don't teach about this very often. And even when we teach on this, oftentimes we don't give practical ways to make this happen. If you were a sick person, if you had sickness somewhere in your life, weakness, trouble, difficulty, pain, well, well how do you enact what we just read? And the truth is, most of the time, we don't do that very well as churches, we don't make it very easy for folks to implement James 5, 13 to 16. Now, go back to verse 16. I want to point out a couple of things. Verse 16 says, uh, God's book, go to the church leaders, ask them to anoint you with oil and pray for you. And then notice what it says after that. Uh, the earnest prayer of people in right relationship with Jesus produces what? Great power. Greek word is our word for energy. When you do it the way God prescribes it here, the result is great power, great energy, meaning the tough, difficult, sick situation you've got right now, God comes along and injects his power. He injects his energy into the situation. I got a hard, difficult, painful situation, and now suddenly 
the Lord injects his power. Anybody here got kind of a hard, difficult, challenging situation you're going through right now? Go ahead, lift your hands. There's a hand here. There's only three of us. Everyone else is on the mountaintop. Is that right? Okay. Anybody in the balcony? Tough, difficult, challenging. Okay. Here, there's what it says. Power. Back to verse 16. It says, um, he'll inject his power. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and catch the nest part and produces wonderful results. Wonderful is the result when you choose to do it God's way. When, when you admit need, when you humble yourself, the promise here is great power, wonderful results, effective, accomplishes much. Okay, So the Lord says, if you'll do it my way, I'll inject my power and wonderful my plan and purpose, wonderful results into your situation. So think with me, why is prayer this way powerful and producing such effective, wonderful results? It's because of the people up here praying, is that it? Myron, is it because you, you and Kim are going to stand? It's because you guys are awesome and powerful? Well, well you are kind of awesome, but that's not why, okay? The, the truth is, it, it's not us. We're kind of plain, ordinary people. Catch with me. Give me your eyes. This kind of prayer brings this situation to the creator and the sustainer of the universe. That's why it's powerful. We're, we're running boldly into the nerve center of the entire cosmos. So we're going to run into mission control uh, throughout all of the universe. And Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, injects his power, injects his effectiveness into the situation. It says, Hebrews 4.16, he rains down his grace and his mercy to help us in our time of need. Okay, um, we're going to spend the next 15 minutes actually putting these verses into practice. Okay, so sometimes you just come and you sing, that's great, and you listen to the old guy up there talk, drone on, uh, but today we're actually going to put this into practice. Okay, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to actually humble yourself, admit need, go to the leaders of the church and say, Lord, we're going to ask that you might inject your power, inject your effectiveness into my situation. So we're actually going to live out church in these verses today. We're going to give you the opportunity if you're, you're thinking, wow, I got this situation, it's overwhelming, it's stressful, it's too much for me to bear on my own, we're going to give you that opportunity. And, and just, just real fast, why, why, why do we have to face such hard times? Think with me. We're followers of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Why is it that we should have painful, challenging, difficult times? Are you ready? I just learned this because I preached it and the Lord had it stick on me. Why do we have to face these times? And, and you remember the Sermon on the Mount? Here's what it said. To go the narrow road is challenging. So if you're on the road, the narrow road 
following Jesus, the narrow road is painful and hard and difficult and challenging. The narrow road is supposed to be hard. So if you're thinking, man, this Christian life is hard, exactly. The, the, the Christian life, the narrow road is supposed to be hard. So I would have good words of encouragement. If you're, if you're in painful, challenging, hard times, it's supposed to be that way, which is why we need each other, which is why we're in family here. And, and now we take these situations and we do it God's way according to his book. Okay, so one more question. How many of you right now have a situation that's bigger, heavier, and honestly more than you can handle all by yourself? Can I see your hands? Come on. Anybody over here? Balcony, anybody? Okay. This is your opportunity, okay? I'd invite the leaders and wives. Would you stand now and make your way? We've got some over here, some over here. We'll have some uh, in the back. Gil and Terry will be back by the sound system back there, okay? What if you're watching online? Well, you can hit the prayer button and we'll direct message you and pray with you as well, okay? Well, this is part two. Uh, today, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. Uh, but I'd like you to turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Matthew, Mark chapter 14, where we have recorded for us details of the very first communion. Now, let me set the stage for you. It's Thursday, okay, in Passion Week. Uh, Friday, the next day, Jesus is going to go to the cross, okay? Um, but now it's Passover time. Devout Jews at this time would travel to Jerusalem uh, to remember how Jehovah God delivered his chosen people out of Egypt, out of slavery, okay? So everyone's gathering in Jerusalem and they're celebrating the Passover, so in the celebration of the Passover, that's the old covenant. Understand? Okay. Jesus is about to introduce the new covenant, where instead of a lamb, where the blood of animals would be sacrificed, the new covenant is presented now, where the sinless lamb of God, once for all, would be sacrificed on the cross for the sins of the entire world. That's the new covenant. And that's what gets presented right here. Um, would you stand with me once again? I know you just got seated, but okay. Now you can have dessert today for lunch. It's good. We did exercises at church today. Uh, we're going to read some of the important details of the Lord's Supper. We'll start with verse 17. We're going to read all the way down through verse 26. So read along with me, please. Here we go. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you twelve who's eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be 
for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he'd never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray again. Lord, um, once again, we need your insight. We need your wisdom as we dig into your inspired words. We invite your spirit to be welcome today. You come take charge today in your church. Lead us and guide us. And once again, all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Imagine with me for a moment, okay? It's Thanksgiving. Many of you enjoy Thanksgiving. I, I, that's like one of my favorites, maybe. Uh, you're with your entire family, and then your father stands up and says, uh, announcement to everybody, I just want you to know, somebody sitting at this table is going to murder me. Okay? Now that's enough to make you choke on your turkey. Uh, as you reply, hey, hey, dad, two things. Um, first, who is this traitor? Who, who's the one uh, who uh, would do this awful thing to you? And secondly, um, I want to assure you, dad, it's not me. Okay, it might be, might be one of my brothers here, but it's not me. I just want you to know I'm not the traitor. Verse 19 tells us, all of them were greatly distressed, and all of them, one by one, including Judas, assured Jesus, I'm not the one. I'm not the betrayer. Now, what's interesting here is that Judas will just in a few moments leave and fulfill this prediction of Jesus. In exchange for 30 pieces of silver, that's about fifteen dollars to $20,000 today, Enough money to buy the potter's field. Uh, that's what they did with them. We don't want that money. So they bought a pauper's field. They would bury non-Jews in that field. Matthew 27, 6 to 10 tells us about that. But as, as we read on, we discover that all 11 actually betray Jesus. All 11 of them fail Jesus. Two, just like Judas. Chapter 14, verses 37 to 42. They go to the Mount of Olives. They go to the garden on the Mount of Olives. And they all fall asleep on Jesus just when he needed them most. Okay? Uh, chapter 14, verses 50 to 52. Um, the soldiers come. They arrest Jesus. Remember, Judas kisses him on the cheek. You know what the other ones, all 11 of them do? They all run away. <laughs> they, they all, well, I don't want to die here. All 11 of them desert Jesus. And then in chapter 14, verses 66 to 72, their leader, Peter, 
denies Jesus how many times? Three times. Here's the key point for us today. From the very first communion, the Lord's Supper has been for those who fail and run and desert and deny Jesus. Right from the beginning, you have a bunch of misfits and sinners like me. A bunch of misfits and sinners like you. Go back to the text, chapter 14, verse 22. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. Now understand, they're celebrating the Passover. Okay? And now Jesus takes this Passover celebration, and as only God with skin on can do, he gives it brand new meaning. Celebrating the Passover, but now uh, Jesus gives them new meaning. He takes a piece of bread and infuses it with eternal truth, is what happens. 1 Corinthians 11, 24, 25 records Jesus saying, Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance, a present participation in a past event. That's what it means. We're, we're going to participate presently in something that happened long ago. Past event. By eating the communion bread, the church family, we're about to participate and celebrate what Jesus did for us and what Jesus continues to do for us today. Mark 14, 23. And Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them. They all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. He poured it out as a sacrifice for many. Again, they're, they're remembering and celebrating Passover, the old covenant, where the blood of sacrificed animals covered their sin. Got that? Covered their sin. But now Jesus establishes a new covenant where the blood of God with skin on, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, is ready to hang on that cross, shed his blood, and take away the sin of all who will believe and receive in him, the sin of the entire world. So, as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's table, how should our present participation in a past event, okay, how should communion affect us today, 2022? How should, what, what we're going to look at and celebrate, how should that affect us today, okay? First, communion reminds us that just like those disciples at the very first communion, we too are sinners. We're prone to wander. We're prone to stray. We're prone to leave the God we love. We're the kind of people that Jesus came to earth to seek and to save. So it should first of all remind us if we don't stay close and walk daily with Jesus, if we don't abide with Jesus and stay connected to Jesus, 
We're going to wander, we're going to stray, and I'm telling you, we go in some really bad places really quickly when we're not walking regularly with Jesus, okay? Second thing the Lord's table reminds us is even though we're sinners, we're forgiven sinners. Do you understand? We, we fall and we fail, but boy, do we have a remedy for that. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Huge verse. So don't go around pretending we don't still struggle with sin, because verse 8 says we all, we all, well, still, we all wander from time to time. But verse 9 is marvelous. But if we confess our sins to Jesus, he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive us our sins, he'll cleanse us from all wickedness. So, this time is a reminder, okay? When we sin, take out the garbage. Does that make sense? How many of you, your job in your household, take out the garbage? Can I see your hands? Okay? This is, and, and how do you remember? Well, when you smell it, it's time to take out the garbage. Uh, when you see it overflowing, it's probably time to take out the garbage, okay? Um, and what I mean by that is when we notice and smell sin, we call it sin. Okay? It's sin. Am I just going to let it build up and stink up the whole house? Or am I going to do something about it? That's the question. And if you're ready to do something about it, you do the U-turn. You run to the cross. You call it what God's Word calls it. It's sin. And you're asking Jesus that you might wash and cleanse and purify. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, okay? We're going to pause for the next few moments. We're going to invite Jesus to show us any garbage that's built up in our lives, um, sin that's come out of our mouth, uh, sin that's going on with our attitudes, our motives, um, our actions, things we've watched, things we've listened to, we had no business watching or listening. Uh, again, we're going to give the Lord the opportunity just, just to show us, point it out, convict us, make it clear now, Lord, show us sin that needs to be dealt with. So just bow your heads. And would you have that attitude, Lord? I, I want to celebrate what you did for me on the cross. But I want to do that with clean hands, clean eyes, clean hearts, a clean mouth, wherever. Lord, make it clear right now. And I'm not just going to keep laying there any longer. Show me. We're listening. Here's the great fact. If you know Jesus personally, if he's your Savior and Lord, he's come on in with his spirit at salvation. When you said yes to Jesus, your account was marked paid in full. 
by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Wow. All of our sin, past, present, future, was covered. Confession is writing a check and drawing on that account. It's already marked, paid in full, but now I'm going to write the check of confession. So whatever the Lord might have showed you that you haven't taken to the cross and put under that shed blood yet, I'm going to write that check right now. Lord, my attitude here, these words I said there, what I participated in here, what I looked at here, you call it sin, I call it the same thing. And I'm going to write that check of confession right now. And as I call it sin, I'm asking that you'll wash and cleanse and purify me. I want to be back in right relationship with you. Just take a few moments and you can do that. Right now, between you and the Lord. Only one mediator is needed between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we don't have to wait till Sunday to get clean and back in right relationship with you. Lord, would you teach us to do that quickly when we fall and fail? Teach us, Lord, to come running almost instantaneously to get back in right relationship, to get clean and pure and cleansed. Thank you for the cross. We praise you for that. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Would you please uh, grab your communion pack and uh, peel back the top seal? Gil Redmer, one of our elders, would you please stand and uh, thank the Lord for his willingness to offer his sinless body? For us. Uh, Lord, uh, chief of sinners though I be, Lord, uh, no qualifications here to stand and uh, offer this uh, pittance to you, Lord, but uh, we are grateful for the sacrifice you made for us, Lord, for your body, Lord, you giving your body, Lord, to be beaten, to be whipped, to be scourged, to have a crown of thorns placed on your head, Lord, to endure the pain that you did, Lord. Um, we thank you for being the spotless lamb for us, Lord, and allowing your body to endure what it did so that a chief sinner like me can stand here. And uh, Lord, that those out amongst that I call brothers and sisters, Lord, have received you as well because of your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Would you remove carefully with me the second seal? Myron Matz, another one of our church leaders, elders, would you praise the Lord for his willingness to allow his blood to be shed on the cross for us? Lord, it's uh, hard for us to fathom that you would leave the splendor and the glory of heaven to come down here and die the death of a criminal on a cross. <laughs> Lord, uh, you alone are the one who is worthy, Lord, and, and yet... Uh, for what? For us, us very sinful people. Lord, thank you that you did not uh, stray from your mission. Lord, you had several opportunities, but you carried on to the cross. And Lord, thank you so much for ushering in the new covenant. Lord, that we can come to you uh, through your son, Jesus. And thank you for shedding your blood on the cross for us. Lord, we stand here again as a very grateful and a humble and thankful people. Lord, uh, we remember what you did for us that day. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. In the same manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. <laughs> 